The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Good morning, Shannon. Good morning. Good morning and welcome to Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy on Autism Live. I'm Shannon. And I'm Nancy. <laughs> and we're thrilled to be here with you this morning. We got a big show for you. We got a wonderful guest coming up in a little while. Uh, Vince Redmond will be joining us. He's a licensed marriage and family therapist. And we're going to talk be talking about like the big topic, right, Nancy? Yes. Oh, I've lost. We're going to talk about when our when our kids mean. I think my internet is messy at the moment. To us I, I've and, got, yeah, uh, I've got, I think we're struggling a little bit internet wise, and I don't know whether it's on my side, Traven, or whether it's on Nancy's side. But uh, in case it's on Nancy's side, we're having Vince talk. Somebody asked the question. A dad asked the question the other day. What happens when our kids grow up? What happens to them? What happens to us? So um, we're going to be starting to talk about that with Vince a little bit later on today. But uh, first, we like to to catch up on some news. Traven, are we good? Are, do we have good internet at the moment? <laughs> I don't know which one of us it, it is. It seems like it's okay now. Okay, so because uh, I, I love a good Friday when we've got good stuff for you, good news for you guys. And today we have something we need for you to do. It's participatory. Right. Before we jump into this, let me remind you, this entire hour is meant to be interactive. We want to hear from you. We want to know your thoughts, your feelings, your question and concerns. Avani is already writing in on Facebook. Good morning, Avani. Good morning, uh, Avani. Remember that we are live right now on YouTube, Twitter, on Facebook Live, and we believe we're still live on Periscope this morning. We are also live on 18 other platforms, Nancy, which is amazing. That's so amazing, Shannon. Wherever you're watching us live this morning, we really appreciate it. But if you're on one of those big four that we mentioned, please feel free to be writing into the chat on that platform. It populates here uh, for us on this platform so that we can see your comments and questions. You can test it out right now and we'll give you a shout out. Also know that this show is podcast. It podcasts, we download wherever you get your podcasts so you can be watching the show whenever is convenient for you because we know a lot of you have other places you need to be while we are live. Don't feel like you miss out on the interaction though. In the live show, you don't have to. On our homepage, autism-live.com, there is a chat. You can put your comment in there, and then we can be answering your question on the next live show. 
Unfortunately, that chat is not directly interactive. You don't get an immediate response. In fact, you can't get a response at all. It's only one way, um, but it's a way that you can get questions to us in a very streamlined way if you are watching us in podcast. So please participate. We really want to know your thoughts, your feelings, your questions and concerns, but today we are going to need some action from you. Um, so hopefully you will watch what we're about to talk about and you will feel as inspired as we are to get busy because there's something that we want you to do. Okay, we've got Nancy back. Good yeah, morning. here I am. Good morning, Calito. How are you? We're so thrilled that you're here with us. So we want to start in today's news that um, something happened on the Bill Maher show last Friday. And I don't know, Nancy... If you're a big mall, big Bill Maher fan, I am. I'm a big Bill Maher fan. Do you watch? I don't show? watch Bill Maher. I, I don't watch him. I I find he a little bit too abrasive and smug. Okay, <laughs> you know, and to each their own. But I'm a big Bill Maher fan, and I watch every single week. And I've been watching right. him since he was doing Politically Incorrect, and now real time on HBO. So my husband and I watch every single Friday. Well, and here's the thing, you know, if you watch Bill Maher, you know that there's a couple of things that he gets on a tear about, right? And one of them is cancel culture. And he is on a tear about cancel culture right now. And, uh -huh. and here's the other thing that I know is that Bill Maher is a comedian. And right. when you were a comedian, you're constantly you know, where the line is, you're not sure, right? And right. if you're not taking risks uh, and, and trying to figure out, because you always want to be like just right up against the line, but in order to be just up against the line, sometimes you got to push it and go over the line and the audience goes, uh, and you know, okay, we've gone over the line here. But I think it's the job of comedians to keep trying to find the line. And that means that sometimes they're going to go over it. Well, um, you should know that, Shannon, because you are a comedian. I used to do stand-up. I, I don't do stand-up anymore, but I used to, but I respect it. I respect when somebody, and I respect that sometimes they got to go over the line. So here's the thing. On Friday, Bill Maher went over the line. And, right. Um, now, that's an opinion that he went over the line. That's your opinion, yes. right? I'm going to guess that most of the autism community is going to agree with me, though. Right. So, uh, so here's the thing. He was talking about cancel culture, which he loves to talk about. And, and I think part of it is because sometimes Bill Maher has been canceled. Cancel culture has said Bill Maher needs to be canceled. So I think it's I think it's a real core issue for him and he's not happy with cancel culture. So he was talking about cancel culture and making fun of it, talking about the Dr. Seuss books that got canceled last week, talking about Mr. Potato Head, now becoming Potato Head. And he said, what's next? What is silly putty now gonna be on the spectrum putty? Okay, so for me, here's the thing for me is that I don't think it was funny, right? Right, right. Uh, like, it's just not funny to me. Like, in order to be funny, it's got to be equal and even. And I don't like silly being equated with being on the spectrum. Right. I think it's, it's inaccurate. It's not funny. And I do think it's hurtful. So I think it was over the line. I However, agree with you, Shannon. I agree with you. Okay. I think it was over the line. And viewers tell us, do you think it was over the line? People are saying, oh, my. Amanda, Amanda oh Bright has said, oh, my. Okay. So, but here's the thing. I don't want to cancel Bill Maher. Right. There's no need to cancel him over it. I just want to say, you know, okay, Bill missed on this. 
maybe, you know, say to him, silly doesn't equate to on the spectrum. And it's not helpful to the autism community to make it seem like it is. But at the bottom line, it wasn't funny, Bill. But I, again, I don't want to cancel Bill Maher. I want to recruit Bill Maher because we need Bill Maher for our next story. Right. So because I Bill Maher want, has, we want Bill Maher because he's got a voice, right? He can be heard by many more people. And we need him as an ally. And he's right. been an ally to the autism community before. He isn't afraid to ask questions. He isn't afraid to cover stories that are a little incendiary, right? So I want to recruit Bill Maher, and I would like to have the autism community join me and you, Nancy, in asking Bill Maher to cover our next story. So okay. we're going we're gonna to tell you what this story is, and then we're going to tell you how we want you to reach out to Bill Maher, not to cancel him, but to recruit him. So there's a big story today, and we all need to get on board because the Department of Defense has been looking at ABA Look, they've been treating, you know, in the military, kids are treated for autism using ABA. And regularly, as any organization should, they take data to see, is it working? And they've been doing this for the last couple of years. But here's the bottom line. The Department of Defense has found that ABA is not effective in treating autism. Here's the problem. The way that they took the data, the person who invented the tool that they use to look at the data to see if it's effective, that person has publicly come forward and said, you didn't do it right. You didn't use the tool the way I intended it. In fact, you did something wrong. And he's uh, reviewed the whole thing and he said, you've done something wrong and here's how wrong it is. The thing that would measure if ABA was making the most success they didn't include it. They miscoded it and it wasn't included at all. And multiple organizations have stepped forward and said, this is a travesty. This, is, this could have catastrophic effects. This, it could be that any moment now the DOD is gonna come out. They've already said, we found it to be ineffective. The expectation is that if something else isn't done, they're gonna take this shoddy data and say we're ending ABA for all of our military families. And the fallout of that catastrophic, even people within the military, let's not even talk about what it'll mean for the children, that it will mean that our military is not able to be military ready because of what they will have to deal with at home. But let's think for a moment. Well, the question of what is, yeah. Shannon, why are, why aren't they listening? to the criticism of how they interpreted the data. That's my question. Well, I think that that's a really important question. <clears throat> I would like someone like Bill Maher to be asking that question. We can we can guess that it's going to save them a whole bunch of money if they decide exactly. that. Right. You know, but I don't know. I don't know for sure. All I know is this is bad on every level and it needs to be stopped. And we need big voices right now calling this out, saying, hold up, let's go back and look at your data. Use the tool that you said you were going to use, but use it properly. And, and you're going to come up with a different conclusion. And we need this help right now. So here's what's going to happen. Later on today, our producer, Traven, is going to take just this portion of the show and he's going to cut it out. It's going to be available on our Facebook page. And we're asking for all of our viewers we need to get Bill Maher's attention because this needs big guns, national television exposure. You know, we can all use our voices, but we need to 
focus them someplace. So we're asking you to focus it at Bill Maher. We want you to take the clip and we'll make it very easy for you on Facebook. We want you to take the clip and we want you to tweet it at Bill Maher on Twitter with the hashtag because we need to get his attention. We know that Bill is very concerned about cancel culture, but Bill has also been fighting for over a year to get solar power at his home and he is stuck in the bureaucracy of it. And it's driving him crazy. He wants to do this good thing that would be a benefit to him and the rest of the world, and they're not letting him. Well, Bill, we understand that because that's what will happen to these families if they don't get this ABA. So we want you to use the hashtag GiveBillSolar because we want to get Bill's attention. We're saying that these things are, are closely related. The frustration that he feels is the frustration these families are going to feel. So give hashtag give Bill Solar. Tweet this all at him. Let's get Bill Maher to cover this story, to call the DOD out for what has been said to be manipulating data, that they are manipulating data to systemically build a false case to Congress that ABA treatment is not effective so that they don't have to fund it. Let's put this, uh, put a screeching halt to this by getting Bill Maher to cover it. So that's gonna be later today. Tweet Bill with the hashtag, with the code for, the, for this story, give Bill Solar. I got goosebumps, let's make this happen. Uh, and so somebody said, I'll have to create a Twitter, but I will be doing this. Thank you. Amanda, Thank you. Amanda, who said her husband is DOD, as, as a matter of fact. Oh, well, Amanda, <laughs> like talk to your husband. This is not appropriate. And, and everyone is united in saying, every single expert, every single group that has to do with the military is saying, this cannot happen. But we think that if something doesn't happen any minute now, the DOD is going to put a halt to all of the ABA because they have already deemed publicly that ABA is not effective. And they are very clear, they only cover with their TRICARE insurance what is deemed to be effective. And hey, I, that makes sense to me. I don't want you spending tax dollars on something that's not effective, but if you're going to judge if it's effective, you gotta judge properly and the data's gotta be right. There's an expression in the research world, garbage in, garbage out. If your data is shoddy, then your results are not appropriate. And this is clearly garbage in, garbage out. Yes, people are mad. Okay. So this, uh, we're going to be pulling the rip on this all a little bit later on. And Bill, baby, Bill, come through for us. All right. Uh, and we don't, we don't want to cancel you. Okay. We have one last uh, news story for you this morning that uh, I thought was super sweet. A lot of our kids, Nancy, they, oh, we've lost Nancy. Uh, a lot of our kids have something that they perseverate on, that they love, um, that is like the thing that they can't live without, right? Right. Then, I'm back, Shannon. Thank I'm back. you. Hopefully, I'm so glad you're back. Hopefully I won't keep cutting in and out. All right. Uh, sometimes it happens. We've had a lot of weather here in Southern California. So there's a 10-year-old boy who has some oral aversion issues and food's a really hard thing. And eating different foods is a really hard thing. But there was one food in particular that he really loved and, and it was a food that he could stomach. And this poor mom, 
had been looking everywhere for something, but they were able to find this, this waffle that really helped. Um, and then the unthinkable happened and the, the waffles were being discontinued. The poor mom, uh, people started sending her the waffles so much so that she had to buy two freezer fulls, uh, two freezers to freeze all of the waffles that people were sending. But it is now my understanding that the company that was making the waffles have sent him and the, and the mom the recipe. Is that your understanding right. of what's going on? Yes, um, uh, Nature's Path. Nature's Path was the name of the company. And it was their maple uh, cinnamon waffles, to be exact, that um, the little boy um, was issues with. And um, as as you said, oh, I think we've lost Nancy again. Uh, but I love this kind of a story. Um, I love when we can get together as an autism community and magnify our voice. This mom started to go fund me. She put it out there that, you know, they were, it was being discontinued and her son needed this waffle. And I love that nature's path, uh, looked at it and said, they, you know, they found a bunch, uh, in a freezer, shipped those to her and other people were shipping them to her. But it occurred to Nature's Path, what happens when he runs out? Like, what is like? And so in an unprecedented move, and we really want to thank Nature's Path, they gave mom the recipe so that now she is able to make this and eventually um, he will be able to make this for himself. I just, I love it when we get a can-do story, something that is uh, that we're able to make a difference as a community and everybody magnified their voice to nature's path. So really remarkable. Now, I, we've lost Nancy again, but I don't know if we're getting her back here. I don't know. Um, I do want to, I want to go back. You're back. What did you, and so Nancy, I just continue to cover it, but don't you think this is a great story about them sharing the recipe for the waffles for this? Young yeah, man? it's a great story. It shows what can happen when our community bands together and gets the message out there. Uh, and I, you know, we, we've had a couple of people writing in about the, the story that we were talking about, the DOD, um, the Department of Defense. I, I just, uh, you know, since we've got a minute, I want to give our viewers, because they're asking for a little bit more detail here. So the they've been conducting this study for a couple of years because every good organization does. Let's be clear, that's not the problem. We want them to be looking to see if it's effective, but we want them to be looking at all factors. There are also additional things that, that they've been charged with that sometimes the hoops that they have made for getting ABA services impassable, that, that in some cases people weren't able to get because it wasn't being provided to them in a way that they could get it. So all of these things need to be looked at, but I want you guys to know that there, there's a leading autism researcher, Ira Cohen, he created a tool that's called the PDBBI. This is a, a tool that you look at to see if the program is being effective. Okay, now I'm going to get into the nitty. We're not going to share this part with Bill Maher, but I want you guys to know, because you guys know ABA, that when we're doing ABA, we're trying, there's some behaviors we're trying to increase, right? But there's other behaviors that we're trying to decrease. And for instance, when we, I always talk about the magic X here, when we increase 
um, being able to communicate our needs, that challenging behaviors go down and it becomes this magic X. So the, 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 the child or the individual being able to communicate their needs instead of throwing a tantrum goes up. So what happens? Their tantrums go down. And where we'd like for those challenging behaviors to go is to a zero. If it's a zero, that means the behavior didn't happen. And in ABA, that's the biggest win of all. If your child is spitting on their hand and wiping it on the desk and they do an intervention and they and regularly in ABA, they go, all right, they start and they go, it's happening five times an hour. Well, we'd like to see that decrease. Oh, we got it to three times an hour. Well, that's a win. But even better is if it was two or one or zero. The ultimate win is we, if we can get a behavior to a zero. That means we didn't see it. Well, here's what the DOD did. And this is what Ira Cohen, who created the PDDBI, says in looking at their data that they did. Anytime there was a zero, which is the ultimate win for ABA, the DOD coded, took it out because they said the data was missing, not that the behavior was missing. So the most ultimate victory, the biggest win when those behaviors were completely absent, which meant that the ABA worked the way it was supposed to, the DOD didn't count it. Could everyone collectively, do we want to pull our hair out? Right. The because biggest strength that, so that basically Shannon, what you're saying is the biggest strength has been used against them as the biggest weakness. Well, they just totally like, imagine if you were an Olympic athlete and we were going to take data on all the times to see if you were improving or not improving. And every time you had your biggest jump, let's say you're a broad jumper. Every time you took your biggest jump, jump if we just said, oh no, that data is missing, we're not including that. And, and then we looked at it and said, no, I don't really think you're improving because but we didn't include the times you jumped the furthest. It wouldn't be accurate. We would have the wrong lens to look at this. DOD is Department of Defense. Um, and this is who, you know, the Department of Defense has insurance and their insurance is largely TRICARE. And they TRICARE. say, of course, of course, they say we're not going to cover something unless it's effective. So they have a system to look to see if it's effective. But the, the creator of the system to see if it's effective says you did it wrong. You didn't read the manual. A zero is not missing data. A zero is the ultimate win. And you averaged it without the ultimate wins. This is horrific. And let me just tell you something. Not only does it affect the families in the military, but holy cow, Nancy, you know, you've worked with families in the military for years. These are the hardest hit families. Yes. These are the people, these are the people who are literally in the trenches for us, who have a higher incidence of kids on the spectrum, not right. a lower incidence of and, kids on the spectrum. And as I recall, it was a big battle to get ABA funded by TRICARE. We're going back years here. But for a long time, ABA was not recognized by TRICARE. They finally jumped over that hurdle, got the ABA funded and through TRICARE. And now that it's funded, we've got this dilemma. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not, we don't know precisely why, but generally it's about funding. 
uh, we can guess that this was maybe maybe a convenient way to not fund ABA because of the expense. Yeah, because we're talking about a budget that's $370 million. Right. So we're not talking about couch change. We're talking about they're spending $370 million a year on ABA for their kids, and they're not going to spend it if it's not effective. And, you know, the, the people who sit on the panel, they, they go, okay, we're trusting you people. You know, do you have a way to see if it's effective? Yes, the PDDBI is widely accepted as being effective. That's why they chose to use that litmus test to look at it. But if you don't use it properly, hello. And, and if I'm sitting on a committee and I don't know ABA, but I know spending money and I want to treat kids and have them be effective, if you come to me and say it's not effective, you know, that's one situation. But if somebody comes and says, well, wait a second, we took the data and we don't know if it's effective because the data is invalid. That's an entirely different subject. And we need to let people know that their data is, as has been said, manipulated. Right. To systematically build a false case to Congress with the apparent goal of cutting VA treatment. This is why we're up in arms. But here, let me say this to you. This is how big and catastrophic this mess is. So if, if nothing is done, if, if we sit back and go, I'm sure they'll figure it out, and nothing is done, then they are going to cut ABA. That's going to leave all of those families without ABA services catastrophic. As we said before, even people within the military oh, have the military. said that this will affect the, our military being military ready that it will have a catastrophic effect in terms of that. But this will also set a precedent for other insurances to say, well, the military found that it wasn't effective. Right. And now it's affecting absolutely every single individual with autism and their funding for services. So, you know, pick among the 800 reasons why we all need to get on board with this, why everybody's voice needs to be added to this. But I don't know about you, Nancy. I wish that our little show was big enough that we could just talk about it here and the DOD would listen. But I'm, I agree. I, I'm skeptical of that. I don't I don't think that's happening. Right. So we've come up with <laughs> Which a way. Is why. Why, yeah. So we've come up with a way to get Bill Maher's attention because he has a bigger phone and um, get his attention in trying to get support for this cause. That is to tweet him with the hashtag, give Bill solar, because Shannon, as you pointed out, Bill Maher's been trying to get solar at his house for a long time and has been frustrated in that effort. And so he could possibly be a way for him to understand the frustration of what military families would be faced with if they don't get their ABA. Amen to that. So Bill Maher, we, later on today, we'll have the clip ready. We need you guys to tweet at Bill Maher. It's that little at sign. Get yourself a Twitter account if you don't have one. Uh, follow Bill Maher. It's at Bill Maher. And Maher is spelled M-A-H-E-R. And send, and we'll have it all set for you, the code that we that will have the, the video in it of us talking about this, wanting him to cover it. But we want you to use the hash, hashtag GiveBillSolar. Um, so that he will notice it. And, uh, you know, I mean, I appreciate how frustrated he is about his solar. 
He, it's a good, he wants to be good for the environment. It would be great for everyone. And he's stuck in the bureaucracy. Uh, you know, could every single person in the autism community raise your hand if you've been stuck in the bureaucracy when you wanted to do something good for yourself or a family member? Mm-hmm. I think it would be a sea, of, a sea of hands up. We understand the frustration. Let's let's ask Bill for his help and give him a little help too. There it is on your screen. Give Bill Solar. Let's make it happen. Okay, we got to move off of this because I could go on and on forever. But uh, our guest is here with us. Vince Redmond is here with us. He's a licensed marriage and family therapist. He is also uh, someone who spent extensive years uh, being a behavior um, therapist, and he still works on cases to this day. But he, as I said, a licensed marriage and family therapist. So he's a bit of a unicorn. He's able to talk from both of those perspectives with us. Uh, Vince, are you here with us? Vince Redmond? I thought I saw uh, there yeah. he is. Hi, Vince. Good morning. Hello, ladies. How are you? Good. How are We're you good. today? Good. Good. Have, cool. you been, have you been to our In the News this morning? I've listened to some of it, yes. Yes. So um, we need and to I make sure whole, that we keep whole, whole the opinion of Tricare and everything that's going on with the military insurance and and their discoveries and how that's you know against really all the research that's been out for 20, 30 years. So I it's don't know if they're fair. trying to reinvent the wheel um, or what the plan is. It's it's got to be fair if they're gonna if they're gonna judge ABA they've got to judge and they picked a tool to judge it by it's got to be fair and even the person who created the tool says you didn't do it right so well not only is- tools but they're not they're not allowing the services the at the prescribed amounts exactly. and at the requested amounts they're very limited in services supervision's two hours a month right so there's not a lot of oversight and overlap and abilities to to really dig into a lot of these these kids needs because of the limitations with credentialing and delays and staffing and um, you know along with their their limited amount of, of prescription that they allow so I mean we can go on and on and on about you know like you were just saying with bill the bureaucracy and red tape and everything that goes on I think anytime we're involving governmental oversight the red tape just got three times larger so yep yep and and we need to focus our voices and make sure that we um, come up with a way to stop this. So, but Vince, we asked you to come here today. I mentioned that um, a dad asked a question the other day. Right. And, and the question was, I just wanted to hug. The question was, what happens when our kids grow up? What happens to them and what happens to us? And it was so simple and pure and it encompassed so many things. Um, it brought tears to my eyes. This is the big question, right? Um, and Nancy, I know, is having some trouble with her internet, but she's going to come back on. And she and I spoke earlier, mm-hmm. and we said this is sort of the crux of the whole deal, and and it's different for everyone. Um, that what right. happens? I was just saying, Nancy, that you and I were talking about this before, so I don't think we can cover it in you know twenty five minutes, and and you know 
but we got to start to make some inroads uh, with it. This answering this question, what happens when our kids get older? What happens to them? What happens to us? So where do you want to start? Right. I mean, I, I think that, I mean, obviously that question has different paths and different answers at the time, depending on the time the, the parent is asking it, right? Is there a child already uh, 16, 17, 18, and we're approaching young adulthood and they're looking at the, you know, the limited and different amount of services, or are they asking when the child's three and they're just projecting out, you know, what is their future going to look like altogether, right? There's a lot of different answers and in, in different things. Um, that can be recommended. But for me, overall, I think asking and talking about the question is important at, at all stages. And I would highly encourage, you know, the, the sooner the better, right? Because we tend to have a lot of, I think, false thoughts, scare, anxieties, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, worst case scenarios so to speak, that, that tumble around in our head that can really scare us, that can really make us nervous, that can really, really kind of dampen all the hope in, in any progress. I mean, I'll never forget, I had a family or had a family that I worked with. Child did was in treatment for 15, 16 years, made tremendous growth, was, you know, went through high school, with no aid and you know really really you know super 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 progress as soon as you turn 18 the the mom just completely just melted down because if she's now faced with young adulthood and what was he going to do and is he going to get a job and can he drive and can he do, do, do and i was really really surprised by this because it never was all the hope all the gain all the progress all the the success was was now completely over it was an oversight now because of the fear of the of the next you know the next phase or the next uh well nancy i think we can understand that right like i I mean i yeah i can certainly understand that because what happens vets as you know um it's an entirely different set of circumstances and a lot of parents refer this to falling off the cliff is the term falling off the cliff meaning falling off the cliff when it comes to services and with my own situation with wyatt who is now 19 i can't believe it but he is um he is in vocational school but that the, the educational services stop at age 21 and then you have are sort of out there fending for yourself as to what your child is going to be doing. And let's face it, for a huge majority of us, school is a big part of their program. In addition to that, oftentimes their ABA program, you know, insurance may cut that off as they get older, expecting the family to take over with uh, parent-based interventions so you might have a lot of different services ending at once which is why i think it can be so overwhelming absolutely and that's and that goes exactly to my point of talking about this the earlier the better right so the further away you are from the cliff the less scary it becomes when you actually get to the cliff right but i want to throw in in another block here though vince I think there's another aspect of this. And I think that um, for a lot of families, when they're on their autism journey and they're getting therapies, like we have to be in a place of hopeful or we can't work as hard as we have to work. 
And I think a lot of people have like a place that they want to arrive that, you know, um, whether it's some people use the word recovery or some people say, you know, I can't wait till I have conversation. I think every parent that I know has this place in their mind that they're, they're hopeful and they're working towards this place that they're going to arrive. The problem with that is that, you know, having, it's never a rival spot. Like you might get to the place that you wanted to get to, but life will continue on past that moment. And sometimes people have the real disappointment of, you know, I've been, I've been working towards independence, independence, independence. Now the 18th birthday comes and there is this crushing reality of we didn't make it. And now it's not going to happen and what is our new hope, our new dream? And they and they're so decimated by the fact that they didn't make it. And I think that both issues are are real and mentally de- uh, disabling for us as caregivers because you get used to being in that. You know, we're gonna we're gonna get to here. Um, and I and Nancy and I talked about this before. Nancy is always such a good sport because she said we could talk about even the disparity. Ten years ago, when Nancy and I started doing this program, we I thought that we were in very similar points of our. You know, Wyatt was a little bit older than Jem, but I thought we were at very similar points. I thought that our. I'll be honest, Nancy. I really felt that Wyatt had some skill areas that were far superior to where Jem was at. Uh-huh. Like Wyatt. Wyatt could write and he wrote beautifully and he wrote complete sentences. And I marveled at that. And in the 10 years that our friendship has taken, you know, it's, I just applaud you, Nancy, because you have been so giving and kind. And I can't imagine how hard it has been because our paths have diverged. Diverged. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. Because our our kids have gone in different directions, right? And 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 it has been, you know, I think it's been hard for you. It's been hard for me to watch what you're going through. And sometimes we've gone through hard stuff. But and I've shared with you because you're such a giving person. And I've said I don't even want to say this to you because I know this is a quality problem. Right. And you've always been giving to me and said, but it still counts. It's still a problem. It doesn't. We're still friends. Absolutely. Um, you've always been such a good sport about that. But I think, you know, it can be a tale of many stories, Vince. And but all of them lead to it, it can't be a static place that we arrive. Agreed. And and also it's nobody's fault. Right? There's no fault or blame or finger to point to that if we would have done something differently or better, or if we did it this way or that way that there would have been that much of a substantial change in the trajectory of the boys, you know, for, for both of you or any of our kids, right? We do the best that we can with all the circumstances and uh, variables that we have with school, pandemic, uh, insurance, uh, you know, uh, school funding, right? I mean, I can go on and on about the different variables and barriers that we have to tackle and, and, and work around every day to make sure that our kids are getting the best that, you know, that they can, and they try the best that they can, and they do, and they're working, and they're, you know, struggling and grappling and, and doing everything they can to get better. And, you know, we, that, and that's the joy in it is that there's always 
um, more that we can continue to work on and always more that the kid, the progress that the kids are continuing to make. But I think what happens as parents is we feel very guilty when our kids don't achieve what someone else has achieved, right? Even, even right. though it, we have no, 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 or a, a consistent or, or, or we can't make that decision or we, it's not anything that we have any control over. That's what I'm looking for control. Um, we as parents feel that we're, we're not doing as much as we can. And I think that guilt is something we, we all as parents want to address every time we start feeling it for something that our child's not achieving. What else can I do? Is there anything else I can do? Is there any change that needs to be made? Or do we continue to, to work with, with the program and the treatments and, and the professionals that are around us, right? Maybe it's not a change. It's just, we need to keep, you know, keep going and we keep our dedication. We keep our, our hope. We keep our work doing what we're doing, right? But I agree. I do think that guilt and, and our, our ever need to want to do better for our kids oftentimes can get, you know, can get very overwhelming and very, very much uh, a shadow over us. Is it yeah, safe think, to I say? It's important. Go ahead, Sorry, Shannon. Um, you pointed out that parents do whatever they can at the time with the information they have. And I think a lot of parents suffer from if only syndrome, if only I had done this. Uh, maybe if only I had done biomedical treatment in addition to ABA, if only I had gotten ABA earlier, if only I had gotten more intensive ABA. Uh, the things that parents, I think, question, I know that I do, you know, if only I'd gotten the diagnosis earlier, but we do what we can with the information we have at the time, right? Absolutely. And if there was a miracle combination, we would have packaged it and sold it and given it to everybody already, right? There's so many different treatments and, and every child, every human is different on how they react to biomedical or behavioral treatments, right? So if there was a winning formula, that, that would have been disseminated to everybody, but there's not. So doing this or doing Y or doing you know Z isn't a guarantee that it would have had any change. There would have right. been any change. Right. But is it safe to say that, you know, just like each one of our kids is different and, you know, completely unique, that that what will happen when they grow up, that if there's a spectrum of kids when they're three, four and five, there's still going to be a spectrum of kids when they're 18, 19 and 20. And there's a spectrum of parents when their kids are three, four and five. So there's a spectrum of where those parents will be when their kids are 18, 19, and 20. And there's no definitive, this is what will happen. But there is a whole spectrum of solutions and help and support and places where we all end up. Is that fair to say? I believe so. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why I think that working in and understanding our feelings, understanding our emotions, understanding where where our fights lie and where our, our anxieties get to us early in in working with that and discussing it and talking either as a you know as a family talking about it as a family or a couple talking it over with your clinicians your supervisors 
your, your therapist, or maybe even taking it a step further and talking to a mental health professional for yourself. I think it's essential that we work through those emotions because they can be very confusing, but also very powerful at the same time, right? We all know sometimes we've gotten in our own way. And I think helping, you know, like you said with the dad, you just want to reach out and hug him because we've all felt it and we've all, you know, we, we want to do everything we can to help him process that and understand it and be able to, can, you know, to, to master it, to accept it, right? And, and know that it's okay to be scared. It's okay to be anxious about what's going to happen. But we have resources, we have ideas, we have professionals, we have, you know, things that, you know, a, a, so to speak, a, a, a plan on how to how to help them. Um, but if we don't talk about those emotions and we don't, you know, either be pride or embarrassment or, or, or what have you, I think we do ourselves a disservice because then we're not able to get the resources or get the amount of, of help that we might need. What do you think about managing expectations? And Nancy, I want you to jump in here too, because I find it's really hard. The world is pushing at you in all different directions and people are, you know, people often tell you to manage expectations, but it's always this fine line between how do I manage my expectations without feeling like I've given up on myself or my kid? Like, you know, I don't, I don't know what to say to parents sometimes because I, for me personally, like I have to swing for the fences or I feel like I've given up. And sometimes people are standing there, experts are standing there and saying to me, you know, one, you, sh- you got to let it go. And I, and I'm always worried that I'm giving up on my kid or giving up on myself. I don't really know how to manage, manage expectations. And I meet parents all the time, Vince, who are like, well, my child can't do that. And I'm like, I know that a lot of kids that have been like their child that absolutely can learn how to do that. And, and, and when I try to convey that to those parents, they'll say, no, 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 stop. We've already, you know, I can't bear to have hope. Um, And I don't, you know, they're telling me that they're, you know, I have to swing for the fences or I can't do it. And they're saying to me, no, I have to have almost no expectations or I can't do it because feeling hopeful hurts. Ah, just takes my breath away. And Nancy, how do you feel about that? How do you manage expectations? Well, that's, I mean, I think that's a really good point. You, you want to continue to strive for your child to do their best, but sometimes what you're looking at may not be realistic for your particular situation. So, um, and I I think a lot of this can be where our children fall on the spectrum. Um, And, you know, a lot of people have, I I can only imagine how frustrating it must be for somebody who has a nonverbal child uh, because they're always striving to get that child, I'm sure, to be verbal, to speak, yet may not happen, right? May not ever happen. So uh, at what point do you say, I'm going to be dealing with the circumstances that have been given to me and not continue to, I I think you got to always do your best, certainly, but you have to be realistic as well uh, at a certain point. And, you know, when your child is entering early adulthood, you have to look at what skills they have and decide what programs are going to be best for them at that point. 
right, right. I've, I've always said, let, let the goals guide us, right? So looking at where the goals are. So again, not capping expectations, right? Like you were saying, Shannon, you don't cap it and say, well, this is a never because you, again, we never know, but you let the goals guide us. Like our expectations are meeting a goal, moving to the next goal. Because as we know, each goal layers itself to those expectations, right? Let's just kind of use expectations as a cloud in the sky. Each goal that the child is meeting is getting closer and closer and closer to that verbal, to that social, to to maybe that academic, you know, expectation and 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 hope that we're looking for. And as if we can focus on the goals, if we can focus on each of those successes to the next goal, to the next goal, and really collaboratively, both professionals and family keep working on those goals. As we know, those goals are met faster, right? But when a goal is here, but you, we're, we're, we're trying to work here, we start to have some dissidence and we start to have some conflict and the, and the progress slows down. Um, so if we're really clinically looking at and, and emotionally looking at the goals, and the progress and in meeting the next goal and the next goal, I think that that helps a lot of us understand how we get to some of those expectations, right? I always talk to the professionals more than the family, but when I talk to supervisors, I always talk to them about talk to the family about what their expectations are and then how we're going to get there, right? So we understand the path and the steps that are that need to be to be successful, to get to some of, you know, whatever their expectations are. Is it, like you said, is it vocal language? Is it socialization with friends? Is it academic independent success? What have you, right? It, we all come in with different sets. But if, we, if we're able to narrow that focus on the success of the goals and know that that's the road that leads to our expectations, I think, I, I think we then start to be reinforced by every goal and every step that's made because we don't, while we might not lose, we might not get to the expectations, we know we're constantly making progress towards that. I'm wondering though, I remember one thing when Jem was diagnosed very distinctly, I started going to people and saying, I wanted to hear what all the outcomes were. Like, what were all the possibilities? I wanted to hear the spectrum of what was possible. And, uh, and, and I want to know, Nancy, if you felt the same way. I remember we were having to go and get a bigger car seat because he was big for his age. And they were telling us that he was going to be in a car seat and he needed a five point harness that was going to last until he was like seven or eight years old because he was going to be uncontrollable. And he had gotten out of his car seat while I was driving. I ended up getting a ticket. It was a really terrible, terrible day. So we went and had to buy these big, huge um, car seats and for one for each car because they were so heavy, you couldn't move it. And the person was installing it. We were in the back lot of the place and they were installing it in the car. And she was asking why we were buying it. And I, and I said, you know, my son was just diagnosed with autism. We've been told he's going to be in these car seats for a while. And we really... And she said, oh, she goes, don't worry, because she said, I have a cousin who um, is diagnosed with autism and he's doing great. He's doing so great. And I said, really? And I wanted to hear everything. I was like, tell me, like, how is he doing great? Like, what can he do? And she's like, he's 15 years old. 
He's still in diapers, but he can now point to the bathroom when he needs to go. And I like just started to sob. I was like, if that is the best outcome. And I wasn't hearing other stories at that point. So I went on the hunt. I was like, I want to know like who like has been like my child and has had the best outcome. Cause I wanted to know what did you do? Right. And, but I wanted to know like, what was the spectrum now? I know I've met people who are getting their second PhDs who are on the autism spectrum, who were not verbal when they were children. I have also met individuals who uh, have a, a diagnosis of autism that are needing significant support as adults. Um, and I, so I got a little bit more of the, the spectrum but I also have learned that if, if people have access to ABA, that those independent living skills, things like toileting and, you know, being able to request for help, that those, I don't know anyone who had access to good ABA for a period of time longer than two years that doesn't have some level of meaningful independence. And that for me was very striking. But Nancy, what was it like for you? Did you want to know the spectrum? And and what was it like for you? Um, yeah, I did. Very similar to you, Shannon. I wanted to know what possible outcomes were out there and then manage my expectations based on those. Uh, and then to a degree, I had to change what my expectations were. I mean, for a long time, I thought Wyatt would graduate on diploma track, but then at a certain point in high school, his his uh, case manager said, you know, it's just, it's not gonna happen for him. It's too challenging and we need to put him on vocational track, which he's now in vocational school at the high school. So I had to- But he's you know, loving it, right? Yeah, he is loving it. He is. I mean, of course, in the time of COVID, a lot of it is online and we'd like for that to be different. But um, yeah, you know, it was just that was something that I had to change my expectation of. And I know other parents who are in the same position. Uh, and then I know parents that a long time ago, years ago, a friend of mine said, oh, that was too stressful for, for Jamie. I never would have put her on diploma track. We had to take her off that. And I thought, wow, how it seemed at peace she was with that decision. And I didn't think that I would be as at peace with that decision. So, you know, different parents have different expectations and manage them differently. But and I look at why and also being, being, it's okay to be flexible with our expectations. Our expectations can change, right? As, and again, being okay with that, right? It's not a failure. It's not a lack of, of anything, right? I think we, if we've changed our expectations, there's an innate feeling that, well, we failed. Well, that's not true, right? How many of us change our minds on, in, you know, in college of what we want to do? How many times did we want to be a, 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 an astronaut or a princess or a, an act? You know, we change our minds and for good reason, right? Because it's for the betterment of our lives and it's the betterment, right? Um, less, you know, we'll be more successful with a new track, right? A new, a new road, a new adventure. And it's, it's okay that we might take a different road with a different expectation because everyone will be more successful, will be more happy, and we'll be, you know, a lot more um, uh, 
independent. Well, and that's about all the time we have uh, for this, but we got to continue this conversation maybe next month. But maybe as we leave, it's a good thing to remember. Nancy, what did you want to be when you grew, when you were little, when you said, when I grow up, I want to be what? Oh, that's interesting. I, I didn't have, I wanted to be a writer or in television. I ended up being in television for a period of time, but before that I wanted to be an actress and that changed. Um, so, um, you know, I, I managed my expectations accordingly as I got older. But you are a brilliant actress. I'm just going to say that. Vince, well, what did you want to, Vince, what did you want to be when you grew up? A professional uh, sports, probably. I mean, I can't really think of too much. I'm getting far beyond that. But I, I, I can think of early on when I was a child, I played a lot of sports, football, soccer, um, and still still do play. Um, and you coach. That was a professional, probably a professional soccer player or football player. And it's at a certain point, you had to look at that expectation and say, it's not going to happen. Right. Vince? right. Yep. And say, I don't, I don't have the skill or the ability to do that. So let's start looking at other things. Mm -hmm. Early on, I wanted to be somebody who owned a menagerie, like a zoo. That's, <laughs> that's what I wanted. I wanted to have a lion and a chimpanzee. Then I decided I wanted to be a teacher. So there, go figure. But first I wanted to have a zoo until my mother told me that that was not going to be a good idea. And there, were, and for a minute, I wanted to be the first female astronaut when there were no female astronauts. And then my mother pointed out that I couldn't ride the merry-go-round without getting sick. True. <laughs> so I did not become an astronaut. Thank goodness. Go All right, you guys, I appreciate you. We'll continue this conversation. Thank you, Vince, for being with us. Thank Thanks, you, Vince, for being with us. Want to remind everybody we're back on Monday with Bonnie Yates, special education attorney. You won't want to miss that. Make sure you watch later on today on our Facebook. We will post the video. We need you to tweet at Bill Maher. We want you to put, use the hashtag give Bill Solar. Give Bill Solar and let him know we need him to cover this story. We're all counting on you. Our kids are counting on you. We'll be back on Monday. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and and, and give yourselves yeah, give yourselves a hug from me. Thanks for the for the interesting discussion today, Vince. Absolutely. Yes. Be safe. Be well. Talk be to well. you. Bye bye for now. Bye bye.